so I was telling Magellan that I was eating dinner with my roommate and we um, put on some live TV and there was a Farscape episode. Look at the princess part two. I do. I think. And what channel, what channel was this on? It was like, Sci-fi? it was a channel I've never heard of. It was like not fuse, but something like fuse. I don't remember what it was. Oh, okay. Got One it. of those like bar no. been sci-fi channels. And, uh, you know, Farscape, yeah, great show. It's really fun. The funnest, the most fun thing to do is to try with before you press info on the episode to just guess where we are in the series. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, okay, I think John has the chip in his head because he's talking to himself. Oh, yeah, he does like, by that point. He does. But also Scorpius is in this episode. And then they said Princess Catralia. And I was like, I think this is like a, it was like it's like a fun game. I recommend it. Just like uh-huh. if you have a way to somehow hit random on an episode of Farscape, you should. Uh... It's like playing GeoGuessr. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking of. Mm. Uh, and then the best thing ever was I was like, oh, God, I missed 2015. I missed chat season one. And then the episode finished and they played an episode of season six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Stop like, it. Ugh, what? Ugh. <laughs> I felt like I was being electrocuted. I was <laughs> like, what the fuck? Which I'm... one? Did you watch that one or you didn't have time? 603, which is uh, basically what was happening was Dawn was walking Buffy through their house and being like, here's where mom died. Here's where you died. Here's where we used to hang out. Oh the episode's God. called Afterlife. Buffy and her friends battle a demon that may have hitched a ride with Buffy as she crossed into the world from another dimension. Season six is so emo. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a big was, fan of. I was watching six. it and and I played the same game where I was like, okay, Anya's here and Dawn is here and Willow's got magic and then okay, so Tara's here, so right. it can't be late season six. And Xander in the theme song has seen his double, so that's it's we're past that. And Buffy's right. really sad, so it must be season six. And I, I, it was <laughs> six or three. I, I recommend oh, that. I got to watch both those shows again, man. Come all the way on. through? All the way through. Yeah. Farscape, I want to get like Blu-rays of because it's such a beautiful, like striking show. And it always looks yeah. like Dookie when you watch that like 480p on a cable network. <laughs> yeah, it does. Which gives it this like funny soap opera feel of like it's an old show. But I'm, I also want to see it looking good right it just has a it has a vibe that's unmatched and then buffy i mean season six is like very plotting even in the episode like 15 minutes i watched i was like this is plotting this is slow Ugh, go somewhere and i saw created by joss weed and i ran away to go do this podcast
Hello and welcome to Chats the Television Podcast, Season 15, Chats 8. Each week we watch and discuss two episodes of the Netflix original series, Sense8. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the production designer on Sense8 who decided to put up a sign that says God is not capitalist at the Ganesha Temple. It's Magellan. <laughs> did you catch what that? What can I say? I'm a little bit nasty. No, I did not. <laughs> I did not catch that at all. That's awesome. Really strange scene, you know, the Colosseum where she's going to the temple and the guy's like, you're, you're, um, that man that you know is shitty. And behind her is literally a sign. Go, go chill, look, look it up, folks. It says God is not capitalist. It's why. Mm. So mm. that's, that's Magellan. He, he put that sign up. And I appreciate you for that. Yeah, no problem. I just wanted to bring a sort of, woke perspective to you know colonialism yeah woke christian perspective to (laughs) indian colonialism that's what i that's that's the true comedy of it Uh, you ever think about how on sense eight everybody shouldn't be speaking english but everyone speaks english because we're watching the show sometimes it happens more more to me it happens to me when well, in the second episode, there's a character who's like, you were just speaking English. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you're doing that all the time. What are you talking about? Yes. Yeah. When, uh, when Kala's yeah. singing the song. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I I think I used to think about that a lot more. And I always would say to myself, man, I wish they would make a show where, like Sense8, it takes place in many different countries, many different languages, but the people actually speak their native tongues and, it, sorry, their native cool. languages. But it, it would be cool. It would never get made. Who would watch that? What no. audience is that for? No one. I, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. The the sensates are going to meet in person, I would imagine. Uh, maybe some of them. I mean, who knows? We find out they can visit each other whenever they want. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, let's say, for example, that our, our good friend Will, okay, from Chicago, <laughs> uh, you know, he goes on out to Nairobi to, to meet Caffius in person. Yep. Do they just hand wave it and Caffius is like, wow, I just learned English from your brain and now I can speak English? Or do they actually like have characters speak in their native language when they're physically in the same space? Oh, interesting hypothetical you've presented. Well, I'm asking. Do you remember? You know, I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember right, if any we'll of find, them meet we'll in person. Uh, I don't know. Because there's so much of them being filmed together that in my head, that's just them together. But like. You're saying the physical real body goes to yeah, the other they could, country. They could be visiting. I want them all to go to Iceland. To to, and the show ends at like a Riley DJ concert in, in the middle of Iceland while the Aurora Borealis <laughs> is above them. That would be ideal to me. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Um, anyways, what's going on? What's new this week? Uh, I was sick the last time we recorded. I'm feeling better. It says a few days later. I'm I'm I'm. Springing back into action, I have learned martial arts skills oh. and also gunplay. Oh, uh, and okay. I'm just ready to bop around and beat up my rivals. Oh, so yeah. How about you? What's going on with you? There's a new to... place. You settle it. You settle it in. Oh, you settle it in. You settle it in. You settle it in. Sorry, I just learned Scottish from someone in my cluster. My. <laughs> watched the show and paid attention to the verbs and the proper nouns oh my god um yes things are going great in the new place um it probably doesn't sound majorly different but i did install some soundproofing panels in my room 
uh, because this room was a bit echoey at first. Um, so if it sounds different than last week, then that's why. Uh, otherwise, this past weekend was like I was very much out of my comfort zone. I went dancing with friend of the podcast, Jim, which was nuts. Uh, Whoa, dancing. What kind yeah. of dancing were you doing? Like club dancing. Some booty shaking? There was booty shaking. What? I know. There was like booty gross. shaking. I know. That's so was, gross. There was like, a, yeah, I don't want to get into the dirty details, but it was um, it was really fun. Jim was like, you're out on your own now. Let's do something that you're not used to. Let's just do something weird. And we did. And I'm glad we did it. That's awesome. Uh, I tweeted this, but most people that are listening don't follow me on Twitter. And you shouldn't because I'm private on there. Uh, a drag queen at that place. It was a gay bar. Uh, mm. Shout outs to Club Cafe in Boston. Um, uh-huh. the, the the one of the waitresses uh, was like, honey, you look stunning tonight. And uh, a, a drag queen told me I looked stunning. I'm going to hold that compliment probably for the rest of my life. I'm never going to let go of that compliment ever. Hell yeah. You're never yeah. going to wash this memory. I'm never going to wash this this flesh prison. <laughs> that's that's great. Vibe. And then Sunday I went down the street and t- went to a dive bar to meet strangers just to like sit and listen to people existing. Oh my gosh. Ugh, ugh, I don't know who I am anymore. I feel like I'm being I'm in the body of someone else. Or the mind of someone else. Speaking but at least of I'm, which, yes, I mean I'm in the I'm in a cluster with really cool people. How about that? Uh, yeah, and I'm happy to. The be cluster is just the friends we made along the way, huh? It is. It. God, it is. God. 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 <laughs> <laughs> before we went club, uh, dan- before we went dancing, we God, went. My life him. is such a movie. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> before we went dancing, we went to see an improv show and. uh Live improv oh my God, is fun. What a busted night. Uh-huh. Truly, truly. Well, no, because it was it was improv, uh-huh. and then I was like, oh, let's get drinks. And then the place that we wanted to get drinks at had a really long wait. So we were like, okay, let's go to this place. And it turned out to be a gay bar. That's the story. Um, oh, love it. Okay. The, imp- the improv show just like put the love of improv back in me. And uh, the problem with taking two improv classes is when you see live improv, you think to yourself, I can do better than that. Come on. That's not even that good. And yeah. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, let's talk about Sense8, yeah? Let's do it. Yeah. This week on Chat Say, we watched Sense 8 Season 1, Episode 3, Smart Money's on the Skinny Bitch. <gasps> we also watched Season 1, Episode 4, What's Going On? Smart Money's on the Skinny Beep was written and directed by Lillian Lana Wachowski. It was also co-written by J. Michael Straczynski and all of Season 1 of Sense 8 aired on June 5th, 2015 on Netflix. But what happened in Smart Money's on the Skinny Beep? With many of the Sensate's lives becoming more complicated, their newfound gift. <laughs> Sorry. I just thought about what it would be like if the musical montage in the second episode was set to Avril Lavigne's Complicated. Oh my God. And then he, we cut to Amanita. Such a good, so- perfect soundtrack for a Lebanese. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves. With many of the Sensate's lives becoming more. Hmm, complicated their newfound gift while still a mystery proves vital for survival <laughs> Alan, what'd you think of uh, this episode of sensei i love sensei dude what a goofy weird show full of funny little moments and just things that don't necessarily make sense i think obviously amongst these two episodes this one was a bit lower on my scale uh but built up to some really cool things and gave us a great action sequence that i was excited to see again um so overall i definitely enjoyed it what about you 
Yeah, I mean, I think this episode demonstrates the first two episodes demonstrated to me what was intriguing about the premise and like fun, maybe even a little corny. I think this is the first episode that shows what is really cool about it. And then and like fully unironically like Matrix cool about Sense8. And then the next episode is like, and here's what's like humanly beautiful and it's going to haunt you for the rest of your life (laughs) we'll get to that um so it's kind of hard to like sit and talk about the first one because i can't wait to talk about the second one but Uh some cool stuff happens in in this one for sure for sure and you know they rested kaffius and sunbach for an episode so that they could come back and just do the most buck wild stuff. Yes. And I loved it. It was great. I uh, And first of all, I'm glad that there was so much time between pilot chats and this episode because I listened back and I did spoil a fair amount of this for you in that recording. Uh, I was like, oh, Sunbuck is the one who does like uh, martial arts. And- yeah, I, I remembered that. So that was spoiled for me when I watched the episode. But uh, and it's also, also spoiled, spoiled by, by the, the thumbnail. thumbnail. Yeah, yeah, super annoying. Unfortunate. Um, but it's it's just, it goes to show the audacity of Sense Eight that we can pivot from like she is uh, part of a like sexist uh, like family and in a horrible system that doesn't treat her fairly, despite her clearly being more more experienced than everyone else. Anyway, she's also a, con- a fucking martial arts master. Let's fucking go. Why not? Um, just because you can pivot like that when you are the Wachowskis in particular who love martial arts films and uh, and that style. And like, of course, they have to have somebody who does martial arts. It's just it's the rules. Um, and also Duna Bay is just so ch- talented and cool looking and I want to be her kind of. And uh. But it also brings to mind something that I was I was curious how you're going to feel about this going forward. But the idea that the um, sensates are like basically each of them are not only a personality, but they're also a power set. Um, and so we see a little bit of that with with Sun and with Caffius and with Will. Um, but we're going to get a lot more of like what each person's talents bring to the table. Because um, some of the talents that are not physical, that don't lead to like just fight scenes, are really fascinating to me. Um, you know, you can kind of like draw connect the dots a little bit with like you know maybe Lido being an actor can help people get through certain situations or maybe Nomi being a hacker can, like you can just kind of like make those assumptions because like they've talked about them and they've dropped the hints and now you know that they can basically use all of their puzzle pieces and arrange them however they want uh which is like where this episode succeeds is it, it opens up the possibility space um for all the things that they can do um, but let's let's get into the scenes. Yeah, I want to I want to just crunch right into this one. Uh, yeah, let's do that. That sounds good. We um we do open with some flashbacks. Um, this episode has a fair amount of them from various characters. Uh, I think mainly Will and uh, Riley have flashbacks. Um, Will's is basically a weird horror movie sequence with that guy from episode one, the guy with the glasses, uh, and some sort of horror movie sequ- sequence where. He is like cutting open somebody's brain and pulling it out. And there's also a girl there who uh, I believe is the girl that Will has been. Sarah Patrell, I think. Yeah. Who he's like, she's a missing person's case that he seems to be obsessed with. And it seems like maybe she is, was a sensate. And this glasses guy wants to 
cut open the brains of sensates or experiment on them or get their powers or something like that. That I've, seems to be his thing. Of all the options for what Sarah Patrol's relationship to Will could be, which one would you find the most interesting? Or which one do you think it is? What are my options? Um, I guess girlfriend, sister. She's a, like she's a little kid. Sister. Isn't she a little kid? Well, yeah, there is an age. But he was also a kid in that flashback. They're both kids. Oh, really? I he was a kid? So. I think so. That's how I understand okay. it. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, so like girlfriend, wife, like long lost wife, estranged wife, uh, childhood friend, or uh, I don't know what's another one. <laughs> other word, uh, other, I would say. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's like fine enough for it to be childhood friend. I don't really need there to be like a like an explicit link, like mm-hmm. oh, it's my cousin or some. I don't, I don't see what that does. Really, uh, I think uh, just like a friend or someone who he found himself in that situation with and like yeah. knew very briefly or something like that. Yeah, um, I think that's but, all you really need. Um, but Will's plot this episode, I kind of like um, laughed to myself because Will is like he, he doesn't have anything necessarily going on narratively. Like he's not going anywhere or learning anything. He just is advancing the main plot. It's like he's the equivalent of yeah. the main quest and everybody else is all the side quests, uh, right, which means right. naturally his is the most boring to me and why I want to go everywhere. But uh-huh. down the like, let's learn about Jonas. Let's learn. Let's break him out of Homeland Security, blah, blah, blah. Like all of that is uh-huh. is my bottom tier of interest. Mm. Um, but they do some you mentioned in your notes that they like in the sequence with where he opens the red folder and son is also opening a red folder um they yeah. take something really mundane you know people investigating a missing person or a case that they're trying to figure out and they make it interesting via the show's sort of like match cutting can you speak a little bit more to that yeah i think um there's like some really deft cinematography and even just the way this is scripted out or, or planned. I mean, clearly this is super meticulously choreographed, mm-hmm. but you know, as much as it is kind of a little boring that will is just like the guy who's moving forward, the main uh, mystery of the show, we know that he's investigating something. And so when he's pouring over these documents and we're cutting between him and son uh, also pouring over a bunch of documents, the show is telling us like okay we know what will is doing we know why he's looking through stuff we know how important it is because we did all this work to set it up for you we haven't told you anything specific about what sun is doing right now at all yes yes all we're telling you is that she is feeling the exact same feelings that will is feeling right now so like some shit is going down you know that because you know all this stuff about will And now we're using the camera to mirror these characters' experiences and do this really creative stuff with confusing the eye lines so that like we cut from Will's eyes to the papers that Sun is looking at or things like that. Or characters move in the frame with the cut and we cut to the other character moving in the same direction. Um, So like this was clearly blocked out sketched out to look this way and i just thought it was a gorgeous sequence that shows you what visual storytelling can do that uh 
you couldn't quite capture elsewhere. Because I think this is a story that you could tell very well on the page uh, with characters like floating into each other's brains or talking to each other, or you kind of leave things ambiguous when you're describing them. But there's just something about like the way that this is almost dance-like um, in front of you that I think is is really quite beautiful. And like you said, turns the scene of a character looking at pieces of paper into one of the most visually interesting parts of the episode in an episode where there's like people beating each other up and shooting each other with guns and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's it. This is like my favorite kind of thing that Sensei is able to do, which is not just like transfer each other's powers, but use the concept of a match cut, the concept of like, we will put this person's face here and then do something similar with the next person in the shot uh, to tell a story and to flesh out characters without words. Um, it's very, very deft and sometimes even hard to pay to catch if you're not like fully thinking about what everybody is considering at the same time. Uh, mm. And my favorite example, probably, well, not not this week, but one of my favorite examples this week was later in this episode when um, Leto is, you know, running lines for one of his characters and uh, he suspects that this character will be betrayed. He's talking to the director like, I think I'm going to be betrayed. I think I know and I think I have a feeling. And you see Riley go up to talk to her friends or to see her friends who are taking her to get some drugs or something. And she suddenly feels paranoia. But they don't say anything about that. All that's happening on her end is like, I have these two friends. I'm going to get something from them. That's probably fine. But we, the viewer, are kind of keyed in that she's feeling suspicious mm -hmm. because we see that Leto feels suspicious. And I think that's honestly really brilliant. Yeah. And there's this great line where uh, the director is saying to Leto, giving Leto this feedback of the audience is you. They're with you when you know they know. And yeah. it's, this meta mo it's this meta moment where Leto's like, but I think I know something the audience doesn't know. That makes us wonder like, whoa, shit, wait what a do second. We know? Do the sensates, do the sensates like get this more than the show is telling us they get it? That's right. almost what it felt like to me is Leto saying like, no, 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 I, I think on some level, intuitively, I understand what is happening to me and I'm like popping into these other places and visiting them and the audience is just not seeing that to the extent that, that he is. And it was this like little flash of, of meta in your face, fourth wall breaking. And then mm -hmm. we're back into Leto's plot and he's like, Hey, Joaquin, what's up? And Joaquin's like, I'm a bad guy. Um, but Don't you yeah, know, I'm a really that... bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that moment was amazing. And anytime they toss one of the actors into the other person's scene and you're like, Whoa, what are you doing here? It's so, it's so cool. And trippy. I love it. Every time it happens. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, Let's 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 focus in on Leto for a sec because there isn't much else with Will other than he gives Kafkius the ability to shoot well later. Uh, yeah, does he talk to Jonas in this one, or that's I, in the next? I believe one. that's in the next one. All that stuff that you're thinking okay. of, like with the 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 mechanical description of being a sensei in the second one. Okay, gotcha. Hernando. Yeah, let's talk Le about Leto. Hernando Leto's boyfriend is watching one of Leto's movies. And running the girls' lines, which, I mean, to me, this is queer culture, right? This is, like, so sexy. <laughs> I love it very much. It's such um, a cute scene. Oh, my gosh. It's, as always, whether this is JMS, whether this is Wodokowski's, whether this is whoever, if there's a hot woman in a scene and she has just woken up after a night of fun, she has to be wearing no pants and a men's dress shirt. 
this is a like firm uh, axiom uh, yeah absurd of, of <laughs> so silly hot women in tv where did she get did she just take one of their shirts and i guess why is it always like this like it's sexy that's why <laughs> come on yeah i mean Danielle as a character is almost almost reads as someone who would put on the dress shirt just because she knows that that's people the part. do that yeah like that's the role that she's playing but that's giving the show a big pass when they're doing yeah just like a stupid trope that they shouldn't be doing and it's just yeah it's just super tropey and um Mm -hmm. we do get a little bit more of danielle this week because um it's kind of funny the way that leto is like we need you to um leave because we want to be boyfriends (laughs) and we don't need a live-in beard he says which is so funny (laughs) yeah i love i love when they just say it um yeah she reveals to them that the reason that she wants to stay with them is because she had sex with her fiance's best friend. Oops. And the <laughs> the gears on this plot immediately to start turning really fast. Right. Right. I yeah, I love I love everything that Daniela brings to this world. Yep. She brings a very special kind of chaos yes. that makes this plot so fun to watch. And again, I think this is the plot more than any of the others that I would just watch the movie and like not do the sensate stuff because this idea it's like such a fully formed ensemble all of the tensions are there what a great like triangle of relationships that keeps getting readjusted sometimes Lido and Daniela are connecting really well like when they're out at the bar and he's talking about how he picked her and how Hernando had a, a part in that and who else was in the running? I thought that was like a really nice scene between the two of them. Um, or later, I think maybe in the next episode where Daniela really likes Hernando Ceviche and Lido doesn't like it enough. Like they're just all these delightful little characterful exchanges between the three of them. Um, and I, I would I would like to just watch this movie. Um, so I'm curious how it's even going to intersect with the rest of the Sensate stuff. I don't even know, you know where it fits. Um, unless the stuff with Joaquin connects to some bigger plot or something, I'm I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, a yeah. lot of the the plots this episode felt like okay, like oh, we we mostly figured out our problems last week. Let's uh, introduce something new and scary to make people have to do things. Whether it's the the character of Joaquin or everything that happens with Caffius is kind of like introduced just because he needs conflict. He can't just be successful. That's like not a plot, you know. Um, and so I felt like the Joaquin stuff was introduced in the midnight hour to just say like, okay, well, we need something we need, we need literally something. And, uh, and why not make it kind of soap opera-esque or telenovela-esque because, you know, we're playing in that, that storytelling space. Um, I too, though, really liked the, the line, um, which I'm probably going to play a clip of, but he says, so how did you pick me to be your beard? My agent showed me your headshot. You liked my headshot? It was between you and Gloria Sanchez. Gloria Sanchez? Yeah. That's skink. (laughs) (laughs) And what was the tiebreaker? He thought you had kind eyes. Said we'd make a better couple. And I was like, he's not the only one. I I think she says it, and that was another moment where I was like, this is a great viewer substitute because I'm also like, oh, 
<laughs> yeah, that was, that um, was cute. And then we meet Joaquin, who is just an unhinged character who brandishes a knife yeah. over dinner with Leto. But uh, yeah. there's a weird humanity at the center of him because he pretty quickly <laughs> knows that he acknowledges that, yeah, Leto, I know that you're with Daniela, but the, obviously the dramatic irony is he's like, he asks him, "Did I? Did, is she happy? Did she say that she's happy? And Leto kind of thinks about it and says, well, she's, um, she said she's the happiest she's ever been, which is true. Leto didn't lie. Um, but this is also after Joaquin says that he's a fan of his movies and he liked how he cut somebody with a knife. He's like, how'd you do that? It's like, well, we got prosthetics dog. And then he brandishes a knife over dinner, which is a normal thing to do to normal people. And, uh, after Leto admit, admits that Danielle's happier, he says, you did it just like I showed you right for the jugular, but you should have just used a knife, which is like so much. <laughs> yeah. It's dripping in melodrama and it's pretty fun. Exactly. It feels like a like a really good uh like foreign drama yeah. or something. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this is where I expected this to go. Uh right. so we'll we'll check in with our faves uh sooner than later, I think. Mm -hmm. Um we also have just a little bit of Riley stuff, not too much. We had a flashback to her playing piano while she walks through a London train station. Yeah. I, I think I have more thought on the flashback stuff. Um, yeah, cause I, I talked last week about how I disagreed with it as like a device in the mm -hmm. show and I still feel that way. Um, I think it's often used, I, maybe I said this last week, but you know, it makes sense that they're using it because it's a pretty efficient way to tell people uh, in the audience, like, okay, here's what they're thinking about. Here's what this relates to. And I think what would fix it for me is if other sensates were like observing these memories, you know what I mean? Right. Or like experiencing them or getting confused by them or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then I, I could see an in-universe justification for why we're seeing so many flashbacks because every episode we see like several flashbacks and uh, that would solve it for me if we were in Riley's childhood and like wolfgang is over there in the corner like where the hell am i oh my god there's a piano playing guy or something obviously less stupid than that but uh as it stands every time there's a flashback it's just like okay eh. i get what you're trying to tell me she, her dad plays a piano she loves it Got i it. think my least favorite flashback so far maybe is the wolfgang oh flashback like, to the dad with the piano what were you oh at the recital yeah what was your what was your pick Mine was going to be the one where Caffius is talking to his friend oh, Jenna. Zebra. Is that right? Jella. 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 And he's talking to Jella about how he's like, when I was a kid, I used to wish that I would be a zebra. And then it flashes back to him as a kid being like, I wish that I was a zebra. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you can't do that. Like, why are you doing that? Just stay in the present and have him do the monologue. And have, make it a great monologue where he's doing this. You don't need to go back and show him in the past. But it was making me think if, uh, like, is this a writing thing and that's why there's the flashbacks? Or is it also a production thing? Yeah. Because if you toss in these flashbacks, you, because the Wachowskis are flying over the whole world doing this, these, like, main uh, unit shots, presumably. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe this is like a second unit thing of like, we can go send somebody else to pick up a flashback of Riley's childhood and we can go film the rest of the show that is like a wild undertaking to have to film. Um, so this, that was something else I was thinking about too. This episode has under second unit has 30 credits for second unit or assistant directors because they had, yes, they had units at every single set. Um, yeah. They have that the makes sense. set here, the London set, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Uh, what, what a beast of a production this must have been. The most canceled show of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not literally, yeah. but definitely very, can very like, oh God, we can't support this again any longer. This show could only exist in the like scope of television history, like a couple years into the streaming era when people yeah. thought that it, 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 like Netflix was a money printing machine. Exactly. <laughs> and it was for a yeah. while. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to also just pivot to talk very briefly about the other, the two characters introduced in Riley's plot, uh, Shugs yeah. and Bambi. Oh, how, how we feel about Shugs. First of all, we have a, a friend of the podcast, Ryan Slowinski, who is Australian. Uh, I need to ask you what you think about Bambi's bad, 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 bad attempt at an Australian accent. That actress is British um, uh -huh. and not Australian to my understanding. And it's bad in my opinion. And I'm not even Australian. <laughs> Well, and also this being the only Australian representation in a show that is a global show. <laughs> Very Bananas, curious right? what Ryan thinks about that. Um, I, I just, Riley, I think, I'm interested in Riley. I'm interested in, you know, the situation that she's been flung into. But it feels like we're stalling a little yeah, bit yeah. with her. And I just want to get her out of London. I just want to get her hanging with the other sensates. And I'm not sure where she's going. And these two are like entertaining enough. They're kind of funny. It's like a little much. <laughs> yes. Um, but especially in the second episode, which I guess we'll talk about. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, Riley... I'm just like not super interested in what's happening with her right now until we get her involved with everybody else, which starts to happen in the next episode, but I, I want to see more of. Yeah. And I don't even remember a single thing about where Shugs and Bambi's plot goes or wh how that relates to like how they're going to get her out of London. But yeah. it sounds like we one, we learned that she has a really good reputation as being a, like a good DJ legitimately. And two, mm -hmm. she just has a she. She travels in strange company. What can right. be said beyond that? Right. Um, um, so pivoting to, to Sun really briefly, we mentioned the red folder is safe thing. She is um, angry and looking for her dad. Uh, in leaving a message for him, the message happens to be uh, breaking a table because um, as the <laughs> thumbnail spoils, um, Sun has been taking martial arts lessons for much of her life. And uh, we learned towards the end of the episode that she is involved in, I'm not making this up, and underground mm -hmm. illegal fighting arena because <laughs> fucking why not? <laughs> yeah, she, it she looks just like kickboxes on the side. It's awesome. It looks like Tron Legacy down there, which I thought was fun. It does. It does. And a guy goes up to fight her and goes, "Wait, that's a wait a minute." My my roommate was watching with me, and before that guy even spoke, he was like, "That guy's gonna go." Wait a minute, that's a girl. And he goes, "Wait a minute, that's a girl." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "Show is you got del it. delightfully predictable." Um, yeah. somebody says to him there's nothing in the rules about gender which i wish was how life worked 
Uh, <laughs> take that, extend that right out to the rest of the world. Um, and she is fighting this guy and kicks his ass after getting beat up for a while. And uh, that ties into Cavius' mm. plot as he beats up the superpower, which is a group of gangsters in, in Nairobi, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So Cavius, we rejoin him and he and his Rangela are trying to buy uh, AIDS medicine for his mom. And we get this scene where they're bartering with this guy who tells them to fuck off and so they call him mr, mr. Fuck, fuck off, off which is a really funny scene yeah i think um his friend jella is is great a very smooth talking guy he does this fake phone call to get the, the mr fuck off to to do lower his price he drops the money in front of him um it's it's a very entertaining scene and it sets us up for later when they're on the Van Damme bus and um, they get robbed by this group who calls themselves Superpower um, and basically says that they can take whatever the fuck they want. Uh, <laughs> they grab Caffius by the crotch, uh, which is where the pills are hidden. And the guy's like, you don't have a dick this big. Uh, and they take the drugs from him. And so how then good Caffey would that scene have been, a... by the way? Sorry, how good would that scene have been if they were like, oh my god, you do have a dick this big? Cool. Okay, you can go. You're free. <laughs> uh, I would believe it. I would let Sensei do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, Caffey decides to go after them. There's something inside him that snaps, and he's like, I have, I need that medicine. Uh, and it turns into like the hammiest action movie for a bit there. Uh, because Jella's like, wow, he really is Van Damme. And the old woman in the back of the bus is like, they took the ring that my husband, it's the last thing I have with my husband. 45 like, years. Let's, <laughs> let's go beat him up. And you're like, fuck yes, let's go. Um, and then this is where I knew that Sun had uh, martial arts ability prior. And I think I knew, maybe you also said in the pilot chats that, uh, everybody can do can fight because of her yeah and maybe you mentioned that so i knew like okay kathy's about to get some like abilities and it's gonna rock and then he he does and he like beats up the guys and also surprisingly gets will's gun range shooting ability because <laughs> will just happens um, to be at a gun range just practicing because why not yeah and just turns into a one-man action movie star uh yeah he becomes Being van damme these bad guys yeah it's great very very entertaining i want to see more of this um i know we get more of this it's really just enter it's popcorn entertainment what's better than this yeah right um one of the connections by the way to the caffey's plot that i liked was the only um touching on uh kala's plot this episode was we uh see her at work in the same i guess she works with rajan like they work at the same pharmaceutical company yeah yeah he works for her father that she works for his father regardless um they're watching a presentation about fake medication and how medication can be mistaken for another one and be counterfeited and there's a whole market for that and i i, I sort of love the symbolism of you know these like rich indian folks who are all are working at this pharmaceutical company like talking about that in theory and then we yeah. cut to kenya where that is like an active issue that is being dealt with all the time they they they're doing something with that where like you just watching on a on a presentation and i it is my lived experience uh which i think yeah. works and and also like it gives kala a lot of empathy which we'll talk about next episode 
Um, But yeah, you pretty much covered that stuff and uh, the chase was pretty fun. Um, Honestly, I think that covers all the episode. There was like some brief stuff with Nomi, which but it it concludes the next episode. So we should probably just save it. I my continuing thought with Nomi is it's really unrealistic the way that they talk about how horribly she's treated. But I'm of two Mm -hmm. minds of it, because number one, it's portrayed as like this is what your nightmares are like this is like the horror movie version mm-hmm. of how you can be treated in, in a doctor right. and i'm sure unfortunately people are treated like this but also there might be something deeper going on where like the system is conspiring against her right because a lot of her plot is like am i paranoid or how how corrupt is the world actually how afraid should i actually be of the world versus am i hallucinating and they you know metzger tells her later like your hallucinations are getting worse and more intense and so part of it is i think they're going for a like is this even really happening or is she are we just seeing it through her perspective as really evil and scary right right what muddles it for me is also is there like is this doctor tied to like the bad guy who's cutting open a brain at the beginning exactly and that kind of uh muddles the reality of it a little bit i'm not sure so yeah, I, I share those conflicted feelings about it. Uh, but that's that's what I have for this first episode. Any stray notes for you, Magellan? Um, did you mention what uh, Kala's friend says about uh, Rajan? No. What was what did she say about her friend? What, what did she say about Rajan? <laughs> Kala said something. Somebody said something about like being lobotomized. There's a yeah. lot of talk of lobotomy. Oh god! And then her friend says, "If I was marrying that man, I'd let him lobotomize me all day long." And speaking of the privilege of these people, and then we like cut to Nomi later, and she's yeah. like, "Oh god, lobotomy!" Like, yeah, really f- clever, what interesting. What a line! Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's a guy who says the like federal agent says to Will, enjoy your five minutes of fame and stop trying to make six out of it, which is like awesome such line. a written line, but a yes. pretty fun line. One um, of the most written lines so far. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's like a line that directly precedes a song in a musical or something. <laughs> <laughs> Character storms out and then Will has his I want song. In that yeah, moment. exactly. The I want. Perfect. Um, but, uh, I think that's all. Pretty nice that this was 49 minutes. You got to love that era of streaming television where it's like, yeah, number of minutes. Who cares? It's we'll all just, fake. What, somewhere between 39 and 69. We'll figure it out. Nice. Well, ugh, don't. I don't want to get started on this right now, but it started as you can make things shorter or longer. And because streaming gets more dollars and gets more subs, if you stay on longer, if you engage longer, everything has chosen to go longer now. Every episode of Stranger Things season four is over an hour long. Every single one. And it's like, guys, what? Did, where did we come from? You know, we, we had we had the ability to make shorter TV, no commercials, no nothing. And instead we said, what if we just blossom this out? I feel I'm annoyed by it, where it's gone. But yeah, this episode yeah, being blissfully short sure. was, was a boon. Um, yeah. Let's move on, though. Yeah, we will... Be right back after this brief musical break to discuss what's going on. Welcome back to Chats 8. 
The second episode we watched this week was season one, episode four of Sense8, entitled, Ooh, what's going on? It was written by Lily and Lana Wachowski and J.A. Michael Straczynski. Oh. It was directed by Tom Tykwer. Tykwer? I think so. First episode directed by someone who is not a Wachowski. It aired with the, right? Yeah, it's he's the composer. Oh, which makes you no. think about the last scene. That's why it's like that. The composer directed the episode. Whoa, that's cool. I'm sure, that's not the only reason, but you have to imagine that that was involved, like th- thinking about syncing to music and stuff like that. Right. He uh, he's directed some movies. He directed or he com- he composed mostly, um, going as far back as Run Lola Run. But nowadays, he composes everything for the Wachowskis. <clears throat> wow that's yeah. really cool okay yeah it aired on june 5th with the rest of season one alan what happened and what's going on what's oh we also directed run Lola. cool uh nomi's fate draws nearer in this episode meanwhile caffius and wolfgang's fortune seem to have turned but sun is faced with an impossible choice guys it's not impossible she should just simply say no to her family it is okay <laughs> this doesn't <laughs> seem that hard awesome episode everything that was like cooking in the last one already popping off the magic of streaming tv is you don't have to build to the end of the season because you can just build to episode four why not (laughs) people are going to keep watching who cares uh i loved i loved what's going on i was anticipating the ending of this episode for weeks uh it's the easily like top three most memorable moments in season one and uh, i'm really glad i didn't spoil it for you for once so what did you think of what's going on I thought it was a pretty good episode, uh, and then the song happened, and I was like, oh my god, this is the greatest sequence I've ever seen in television in my what life. Did your, what did your text say? Wow, Sensei is serving up perhaps the greatest sequence I've ever seen in a television show. <laughs> this, this is the story. So this is the sequence of events that happened while I was watching this episode. My notes are kind of funny for this one. Because I was at home doing the dishes uh, and some other chores for like the first half of the episode. And then I sat down and I took notes on what I'd seen so far. Uh-huh. And then I went over to my girlfriend's apartment and took some minute by minute notes along the way. And then I was doing some chores over there. And I was like, okay, about to go do some chores. I'll take notes in a second. And I'm like, uh, okay weird the the people are fucking in the corner and Kala's watching (laughs) it uh wolfgang said fuck you at karaoke okay anyway gotta go back to my chores what shut up this is incredible the song's playing and then i put down my chores and i just stared at the sequence as it was happening amazing beautiful yeah it was beautiful and it goes to show something i always always am such a sucker for which is music as a storytelling device the power of a catchy song, of a memorable, iconic karaoke song, can literally transform the sequence of an episode. Uh, I also literally last night watched, I'm rewatching Ted Lasso with some friends, and uh, there's a great sequence uh, also involving karaoke and a really memorable song in that series. 
And I was just like, man, karaoke is like such an underutilized thing in TV and movies. And I love it every single time I see it. Well, and wasn't there a great karaoke thing in The Leftovers? Yeah, we're we're on a a grinning streak right now. I need like five more shows in a row because I'm happy. I'm smiling all the time and listening to Bare Naked Ladies. Shut up. <laughs> Half of my lines that I make up in my head, or aka my writer's team, are to make Magellan make that noise. So glad we're doing great here, team. Anyways, we're grinning because I love karaoke scenes. Let's get there, though. Uh, we start off back in Germany, and Wolfgang and Felix are trying to fence the diamonds that they stole from that rich guy's house. Uh, they engage they they meet this like old gentleman who i didn't even manage to catch his name uh and he talks about how is he a holocaust survivor or why does the holocaust come into his story his mom if i'm understanding correctly his mom was of the age where she would have been present for the holocaust except that just before it happened she like on a whim followed a lover of hers and left Germany and then it happened and then she returned after the fact to try to find her parents but she couldn't find them and never left Germany again after that and it's kind of used as this like narrative thing of like I guess follow your the big gambles or something it's like kind of a weird thematically weird thing because they're trying to sell this guy these diamonds and Wolfgang is like, hey, I was listening and it's what your mom would do. She would take the risk on these and buy them and try to turn them and sell them, recut them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's mostly just like texture. Uh, I see. And place setting. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's It's kind of this episode... The stuff that's not as good about it to me is like the way that it kind of uses the culture history of the different locations that it's in, but does so, uh, I don't know, in like a kind of not surface level, like that's a little too harsh, Mm -hmm. but like it feels similarly to me to the stuff with Kala when she goes to the Hindu temple and there's this whole thing about like, People are trying to get rid of our traditions where it's like, ah, I can see how this is like an authentic theme that could be told in this space, but it feels a little like rushed the way that it's being told. I don't know. So, yeah. It, the, definitely a super interesting character, this like jeweler guy uh, who's like going to, you know, uh, what's the word? Fence this fence who's going to fence the the gems for them um but I, I, you know it's another sense sorry it's another sensate thing of like we can only spend so much time here mm-hmm. so it can only be so developed exactly and i i think it was funny in your uh in your notes that like wolfgang's plot just kind of starts to go well from here it's like <laughs> Oh, I hope he can fence this. And the guy's like, I mean, I don't know. It might not work, but I'm going to try. And the next scene, they're like, we're rich. <laughs> it's like, okay, so it worked. <laughs> and then we spend a little bit of time with with Felix and uh, Wolfgang as they go to buy some shoes, uh, which brings us back to uh, Caffius's plot because Wolfgang finds poop in his shoe. 
uh, or dirt or something. And it's, it's you know, Caffius being dragged through the mud. And then we see Felix like really just enjoying the wealth and flexing how rich they are becoming briefly. And you mentioned like, this is extremely somebody who isn't going to do well or something bad is going to happen. He's going to die or like. Yeah, Felix seems doomed to death <laughs> at this point. If anybody's friend is like uh, one two days away from retirement, it's Felix right now. He's having fun at karaoke. He's buying expensive things. I think, though, that it's going to be something where Wolfgang wants to protect him from all the bad people. And so it becomes like Wolfgang's friendship with Felix is the core of that storyline. And his burgeoning relationship with Kala, who he keeps seeing and making eyes at. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that, but we'll see where that goes eventually. It's a it's a choice. <laughs> it feels kind of arbitrary. It is a choice, yes. But whatever. Because yes. um, Wolfgang's making deals and Kala's family is also making deals. Another one of those clever little cuts as she is in uh, sort of a meeting with her father, Rajan's father, Rajan, and some other, um, these like really rude, like marriage director people uh, who are like, well, if you, the servants, the ceremony is going to be about six hours long because there's two different ceremonies. And they're like, how much money can we give to make it shorter? And it was like, well, if you double it, you get half the service. And then how much money can we give you to have no service? He's like, oh, you don't have that kind of money. But Rajan's father is clearly like, ultra wealthy and uh we also have this thing about rajan wanting rings for his marriage in a very like lovey-dovey clearly putting on a front sort of way of i want people to know that we're in love and to have physical proof because most marriages in india don't feature rings so like i want rings to prove it and it's like yeah i don't trust a man who says things like this honestly it's weird it's very sus and within this episode we already learned that it probably is sus because uh, Kala in walking to a, a temple uh, where people are ta- are worshiping Ganesha, uh, they tell her, "Well, these this this Rajan guy and his father, they don't know that she's related to them or, or is about to be related to them, are like um, they're like hawking bad pharma school drugs and also trying to westernize India, which is fascinating. Like the colonizer coming from within, sort of thing, the capitalist right. leading to colonization." Right, which is why Kala instead is going to date the German man in her brain. The German white guy, exactly. <laughs> like, what are the themes here, guys? What are we doing? What are we doing here? I don't know. Is I mean, Ka- I, you know. Go ahead, sorry. Is Kala going to like lead a revolution? Probably not. Probably she's just going to leave and be like, this sucks. I kept expecting her to, to be like, is this where she runs away? Where does she run away? It'll happen any second now, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll happen at the wedding. That's the scary part. Mm. Um, but again, the show just like teases themes like that and then doesn't do much with them, at least not yet. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's a surprisingly sh- slow burn overall, I will say. Like mm-hmm. even I, di- I didn't expect by the end of episode four to still be peeling back this idea of like, oh, we're connected to each other and we're hearing each other in our brains and i thought at this point everybody would be in like a a big brain pile saying like hey what's up my name's will nice to meet you but we're not quite there yet which is cool i like that the show's taking its time um but that means that there are some like plots and themes that are unresolved or we just don't know if they make good on them or make them work but for this stuff with call it I'm just not quite sure if this is the show that tells the story of 
tradition versus modernity in <laughs> modern India, you know? Nope. Uh, so, yeah. I think that's also some of the JMS influence is like, look, we're going to handle this culture super well. We did some research. And it's like, yeah, but you're still handling it like really slowly in such a surface level way that you're not going to you're not going to make a meaningful point about this. Yeah. I don't expect you, you just don't have the time. Right. It, and I think if these creators were to not that they would be the creators who should do this, but if they were to make a feature length film about this story, we might be singing a different tune. It might look different. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you're making an eighth of a TV show about something you know, in terms of absolute time, we're talking about like a short film, it, it, essentially. Um, so it's just not quite, not quite the most interesting part of this episode, for sure. Right, right. And so she learns, yeah, that they're they're outlawing these Hindu temples, and in that same scene, as I mentioned, the sign in the back that says "God is not capitalist" keys us in <laughs> that this is a class thing and a wealth thing, not just a like religious thing. Yeah. Um, so they're they're dealing with a lot of the same tropes and ideas that the Wachowskis especially love very well and, and Jameis really love is like this anti-capitalist stuff, uh, but not in any way that feels like it has teeth yet. Um, but anyways, we have a bunch of other stuff. Felix, I mentioned all that stuff. I did have a brief note on Felix. I was going to save this for stray notes, but I want to talk about it. Um, he talks about being a man and how he lost his virginity at the age of 14 to a 16 year old girl. What a weird line to include, huh? Yeah, it's a weird, weird monologue. I, I mean, it, Felix is just weird. Yeah, it tells you a lot about like his priorities and worldview and what like the ways in which he's naive but doesn't think that he is. Um, I think it it does a lot to characterize him mm. and doom him for death. <laughs> um, um yeah i was just gonna say to something you spoke about earlier i know i'm kind of like jumping back and forth but i i noted i noted that and i wanted to mention it um you're talking about like how quickly the characters learn that they are sensates and uh -huh. i think it's a really difficult thing the show is trying to do in this first season because like in some shows they might have found it out in episode one if this was like an anime we would have just been like okay Maybe, maybe some anime are way slower paced, but they would have just been like, okay, you're all weird. What? What do you mean I'm connected to other people? Okay, I figured it out. But because everybody is connected, in reality, only one person has to figure it out. And then everybody has figured it out. We don't need all eight of these people to be visited by Jonas and have him explain it because they share a brain cell. So like once Will fully gets it, I think that's when the plot is going to stop trying to explain it to our characters and just let them be like okay i have this and like don't beat us over the head with it you only have 10 episodes like you know we got to get through right. we have to get past that because because right. where the show can potentially and this is something i remember thinking watching the first season is like how amazing will the show be when everybody knows and they are choosing right. to use their powers right and they like, have a common goal and they're like beating people up and doing cool stuff yeah yeah that's like what i'm super excited for so yeah uh to get us there though um we have a bunch of other plots um is there anybody in particular I, that you were excited well i will say the other thing about felix that's important that he introduces towards the beginning of the episode is this discussion of like revolution and obedience which ties into becomes, the last yeah important when we talk about the song at the end so i just wanted to flag that here yeah um, the, the script is hinting at it 
Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Caffius. Um, yeah. And what's going on with him. So <laughs> the Van Dam bus is the most successful it's ever been, Amazing. which is incredible. Um, prior to that, there's this like really sad scene where Caffius is at home with his mom and his mom is talking about how much of a burden she feels like she is to him and like how she wishes if she, she was didn't a have good to take mom. Medicine. Yeah. And she's like, if I was a good mom, I would just stop taking my medicine. And it's like, God, this is really, really tough mm-hmm. uh, and sad. And then Caffius is driving around the bus. It's the it's fully packed. It's the busiest it's ever been. And then they get stopped for what seems like a routine traffic stop traffic stop check the papers but it turns out that caffius is being taken to this like kingpin guy who's silas kabaka and silas is basically going to bribe caffius to kill someone what is the thing he wanted him to do he he says i need you to take this bag i need to do transfer he's basically gonna become a my 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 roommate was like he's a transporter (laughs) he becomes a (laughs) transporter he has to transport uh-huh. a bag, uh, and he'll get good medicine in exchange. Yeah. And uh, that's... I remember where this plot goes. I think that's the extent of what we see of Caffius in this episode, right? Is he's just presented with the moral choice, and he doesn't make it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, narratively, he's obviously going to get mixed up in some nasty dealings yeah (laughs) there's no story in the world where you meet this kingpin in his car and you're like no thanks and then we just move on um (laughs) but i guess we'll see just how bad it gets pretty soon um the one thing in the caffeus but well yes that's exactly right and i i I noted that the actor who played silas kabaka is he's actually kenyan and i was like oh did they have they been like correctly racially casting most of the show and it seems like they have. They actually like, especially for the side characters, uh, hired actors from the countries of of the, that their story takes place in, which I think is great. I just wanted to shout that out. Um, but easily the funniest moment in this episode is in Caffius's plot when Jayla is hanging out the side of the truck, and he's cheering and screaming like we're so successful, and his face gets hit by a bunch of pa- by like palm trees. And he goes, oh, man, that's that's my ancestors telling me to stop being arrogant. Like, <laughs> that was me getting humbled. And then it happens, like, three more times. And I, I was pretty laughing funny. very hard. I was like, <laughs> this joke went on exactly long enough to be funny and not to be long to be annoying. Yeah. Uh, we've got Sun. Sun is uh, recalling her childhood. We get stuff with her mom. Lots of flashbacks with Sun here. She's jealous of her brother. His, her father loves him more and doesn't even acknowledge her as they get older. Um we get the same like piece of a flashback a second time. Literally, yes. <laughs> it's like, guys, we're binging this on Netflix. Come on. I just watched this. I just watched this. Yeah. yeah no matter. Thing. It is. Um, or it's just like they ran out of footage or something to film with the mom. I don't know. But she threatens to tell somebody about the embezzlement. She's like, what you guys are doing is embezzlement. Um, and she traces this back to Jun Ki, her brother, who is in a like ridiculous sex club where everybody's got <laughs> private rooms and they all have sex with each other yeah uh she busts in like a badass and uh we learn pretty quickly that jude key is like a sniveling loser uh yeah. because she goes approaches him and her father and is like this embezzlement thing is going to take tank the company if something somebody doesn't handle this and very quickly as if he's sad but clearly not that sad her father is like 
I mean, there is one way we can get rid of this problem and make it not happen. Clearly implying that, like, because nobody knows who Sun is because her father never mentions her, she can just take the fall for this anonymously and we can brush it under the rug. But she basically has to tank her own career, which we again, we don't see her make the decision this episode, but she's clearly not going to do that. Uh, and so this is the moment where she's kind of fracturing from her family. But like. Seeing Jun Ki like literally beg beg on his knees to her, I was like, ugh, I ugh, this guy's so shitty. <laughs> it sucks. What yeah. a bad brother. Yeah. Again, As Sensei tends to be not subtle at all, but I hope Sun finds a cool way to get out of all of this situation. Uh preferably with her martial arts skills, because they're really cool. Yes, please. That would be and great. Duna Bay can beat me up any day of the, any Duna day of the week. Anyways. <laughs> deleting that from my notes deleting that from my notes bam uh yeah will by the way speaks korean now he's trying to find jonas a cop guy this is so, another funny moment he this sees the so other funny. cop guy and he's talking to him and he accidentally slips into korean and the other guy goes whoa korean speaks korean back at him he's like i took martial arts for years like uh what's up dude it's like <laughs> bruh <laughs> what a funny fucking scene to write such an incredible moment so good and then he's like can you let me see jonas he's like "Ah, no dude no i don't (laughs) definitely definitely not super can't see you can't do that um and will gets the like lore breakdown from jonas in solitary confinement at this point Uh uh Uh, delineating the difference between like sight and what are the two verbs they use um yeah so he says that there are two things that a sensei can do you can visit and you can share And visiting is this, like, telepathy thing of, I'm in your space. I'm talking to you. You feel like I'm right here. You can sense the things that I sense. And then sharing is, like, you can only do it in your cluster. So they're a cluster of eight. Eight, yeah. Um, And sharing allows you to share your memories or your skills or your languages or things like that. Yes. So there's – and they talk about the – because – sight is like an eyesight thing that's why he actually had to go physically get closer to jonas to do this because they're not in the same cluster right right right. because i was thinking when i was watching the episode i'm like did he have any reason to go here if he could just like mind meld into jonas but like no it doesn't work like that they it's cool that they 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 rules that out they ruled that out um but jonas basically tells him you need to keep all eight of you alive one of you is gonna die if you don't save her her name is nomi marks and she's in san francisco we think that will's gonna go to san francisco but instead the lobotomy comes to will (laughs) because he wakes up with the iv in his arm and he's like wait if okay if if jonas needs to see how did jonas visit nomi wait how did jonas was he in san francisco at that point i don't know maybe no either I guess that makes sense. And then he, he went, went to from Chicago. to Chicago. Yeah, maybe he Jonas is the only one traveling. Okay, I guess that makes that, sense. And that's to explain why there's like a couple days difference between those two. Uh, anyways, Will uses his cop powers to break Nomi out of uh, confinement and out of the surgery room. I hate all of this. I hate the like, just we're helping you. She's like, you guys are killing me. And they're like, no, it's gonna be for your bet. You're good. It it feels like yeah. you're writing a nightmare. Like you're writing like a ten year old's nightmare or something. I don't know. Hmm. Just I hate it because it's uncomfortable, and I hate it because it's unrealistic. I hate both of those things about it. Yeah, the moment where the doctor's like, nurse, I was gonna operate tomorrow morning, but I don't think Miss Marks here can afford to wait. Is Woof. like a, 
very hostile in a way that I'm sure has happened to someone. And also, yeah. Like and this saying. is why I'm like, does Metzger just work for the bad guy? Because that would fi- that would actually make this all make sense. Right. Or at right. least make enough sense that I would stop being like confused and worried about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she gets out. Uh, Neitz gets her all the way out. And they uh, they have they they find their way into the final scene as they're riding away, but um, to get other people there, Riley is thinking about potentially going to Iceland. She hears a call from her father, I think, who's like, yeah. "I have a performance soon, or I want to hear you perform soon." Uh, he was invited to, to, to play for the symphony, I think. Yes, yeah. and he wants her to be around, so she's he's like, "You should come to Iceland and see me." Yeah. Um, she is staying in the same room as those two friends, which means that Kala gets to very embarrassedly wake up to the sound of <laughs> Riley's friends having sex. Not just the sound, like full on <laughs> seeing it happen. And at the at the conclusion of it, too, which yeah. <laughs> can you just I don't want to say can you not because you can. <laughs> I'm going to allow it. But wow, I just loved Kala's embarrassment. Kala's like, <gasps> She literally gasps at one point, like, I'm watching someone nut right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Like, covering the eye, but opening the fingers up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's I love... It makes me love Kala, the way that she reacts to this scene. Yeah. Right. And that's pretty much it. Then we get to the best scene ever. Ever, ever, ever of the show so far. Um, everybody is in various states of doing well, doing poorly. Sun is showering naked. We, we get to just see her ass for, like, five minutes. Uh <laughs> Will is, I think, uh, just like sitting on a bus or something. Uh, everyone's calling places. Everyone's in various states of happiness or unhappiness. And we're all singing What's Up by Four Non Blondes. And it's... Yeah. Is this... This is good, right? It's good. I needed... Okay. Thank you. This I needed someone good. else to say it. Because I watch it and I'm like, this is so saccharine and so corny. But sometimes it is one in the morning and you get a weird song stuck in your head real deep. And... And sometimes you're like, because it works in every context, right? Like at the end, Neat says uh, it's a perfect song for a perfect soundtrack for a lobotomy, which is like such a, again, such a written line, but it works for, I don't like, it works for Sun, who's like worried about making a big life decision. It works for Nomi, who literally doesn't know what's going on. It works for Riley, who is confused about the powers she's finding. It just works. Right. It's a universal song. Yeah, it works it. in the karaoke bar as just like a fun song that everybody We're celebrating can sing and listening to. to music. Yeah. Or you're in the car with Caffius. Yeah. It's a testament to like just how fucking good this song is. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I, I think yeah. what I really, you know, I was trying to think about like, okay. I really enjoy this song. We recently, I think we said last week, were doing karaoke in like a karaoke room and sang this song and it destroys your throat <laughs> doing this one. It's um, a song to belt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so is it just that I enjoy this song and have previous attachments to it or is there something about the lyrics to it um, that makes it, you know, especially suitable to this um episode i think what i really like about it is it's a song that's about rage and disaffection but it kind of moves through that rage and disaffection to find solidarity which to me feels like the point of this episode like we see every single character in a moment of like shit is hitting the fan right now with 
Caffius and uh, the guy that he meets with Sun, with Nomi, uh, even with Leto to a certain extent, getting more and more stressed out about the Joaquin situation. Right. With Will, Riley's at a crossroads. Like everybody is at a moment of a decision needs to be made. Uh, Kala, same thing. Um, maybe Wolfgang's the only one who's like not particularly upset about anything right now. But everybody's like mad or feeling hopeless or scared, confused, yeah. confused. and the act of singing the song uh, is the thing that brings them together and helps them find the the uh, solidarity that the song is like hoping for. Yes. Yeah, I, I, that's well said. I think with Wolfgang though, there are two things that bring him into bring him to connection with this song. One is like he is still processing like the death of his father, who he feels mixed mm-hmm. about, obviously. And I mean, he's seeing and he's going to India over and over again. His brain is going to India, and he's like, "Well, I don't know what the fuck is happening." I feel like sometimes you know things are going really well for you in your tangible life but you just feel in the back of your head like what the fuck is going on what is this normal are things gonna stay good like this is felix always, like i i i kind of empathize actually with wolfgang singing the song uh, at karaoke and being like what what is this and it's just a different type of reaction than everyone else um i i think that this this scene is a great litmus test like if you're not fully bought into sense eight's brand of earnest 2015 ask like neoliberal corniness uh then like you might need to step off the show from here because it's only going to get more and more absurd but like Mm -hmm. you know let's not even forget that like four non-blondes like big band in the queer community based in san francisco like Mm the show bleeds its its influences out everywhere uh With with like Nomi being you know a stand-in for uh for Lana Wachowski and for just so much of the plot feeling like it's coming from a place of reality and turning it into a place of beautiful fantasy, uh, I I love this I love the what's going on sequence very very much and I want can, more shows to do this. Can I read you something? Yes. So I'm on the genius page for <laughs> What's Up, yeah, by Four Non Blondes. Bassist Krista Hillhouse recalled hearing Linda Perry working on the song for the first time. Quote, for a short time, Linda had quit her job and she was living with me in this little two-bedroom flat in San Francisco. She wrote the song when she was in a room down the hall. I was in my bedroom having sex and I stopped because I heard her playing that song. I remember running down the hall and saying, dude, what are you playing? I like that. I just thought that that was funny. Perfection. Oh, yeah. Great job, great tune. (sighs) Very great tune. Very great. Any stray notes on this episode, Michelle? Um, I already mentioned the ceviche scene, but I just think that's really Re charming. shout that out. Yes, Lito and her, her his boyfriend. Yeah, yes. and I love that it ends with Daniela loving the ceviche and Hernando being like, "It's actually not just ceviche; it's a mix of a few different things." Bunch of things. Yeah, uh, I want to. I never had ceviche. Charming. Me neither. Okay. Um, anything else? No, that's pretty much it. I think it's a, you know. It's an episode where it's clear what the meat of it is and what the fun of it is. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly fun. And like you said, if you didn't like that sequence, uh, I mean, it might not be the show. You're watching the right show. Yeah, exactly. You can watch anything else. This is a deeply earnest and corny show, and that's okay. Uh, great. I would love to read to you the summaries of next week's episodes, Magellan. Okay, go for it. Hey, future Alan here. Just going to interrupt my past self and say, 
uh, due to scheduling and uh, a sort of rejiggering of how we are doing the chats main feed. Next week, we are not resuming Sense8. Uh, we are actually going to take a week-long break to do another Should You Watch episode. So um, Should You Watch, we just did House of the Dragon and Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, parts one of both seasons. Uh, and we're going to be doing part two, and that episode is going to come out next Sunday. So what you're about to hear me say is what we are going to be discussing in two weeks. So if you're watching Sense8 along with us, and you should be, then uh, what you're going to hear is for an episode releasing two weeks from now. All right. Sense8, season one, episode five. Art is like religion. The Sense8 struggle with intensifying connections, which then results in some interesting days on set for Leto and a wedding day surprise for Kala. Hmm. Next up is Season 1, Episode 6, Demons. While the Sensate's bond, Nomi takes a bold move to gain her freedom, and Sun makes a choice she might someday regret. Who knows what's going to happen next week? I don't remember whatsoever. Uh, Fantastic. Let's take it to the plug zone, then. Magellan, first things first, where can people find you on the podcast sphere? You can also listen to me on another podcast, a video game podcast called Super Smash echoes is a show i do with my friend justin where we play games from the super smash brothers franchise or related games and it's a fun little video game book club super smash echoes alan what about you i am on the hunter's quorum which is a monster hunter uh review discussion comedy podcast uh that i do with my friend six over on scanlinemedia.com which is a great website and you should subscribe to their patreon um, you can also hear me on Talking Marketing, a uh, bi-monthly marketing podcast where I and some of my co-VPs over at the American Marketing Association of Boston interview various marketing professionals about their craft and what makes them tick. Uh, so check that out, Talking Marketing. It's on all the podcast platforms. And um, Magellan, do you want to do the plug zone for this week for the podcast? I surely do. You can get in touch with the show in a few different ways. You can email us at chatspot at gmail.com with your questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions. You can also let us know if you want to join us on an episode of Chats 8. We would love to have you. Just name the episode, and uh, we'll probably be able to get you in. You should probably name one that's a couple in advance because we record uh, about a week and a half ahead of time. So, mm-hmm. you know, just keep that in mind. But anyway, email us at chatspot at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at chatspod where you can uh, DM us as well or retweet us or, you know, the Twitter things. I haven't been on Twitter in a while, but those are the <laughs> Twitter things I remember you can do. You can join a community of fellow listeners on reddit.com slash r slash chatspod, where we watch current and former chat shows, listen to current and former chat seasons. And you can join other listeners on our Discord, which is a benefit for our patrons $1 a month and up. Uh, and we'll also, you know, let you on if you really want to be on. It's okay. Come on in. Come on in. Supporting the Patreon also gets you access at $3 and up to twice monthly bonus content, as well as a huge backlog of, I think at this point, triple digit, no, for sure, triple digit bonus episodes. Lots of, lots, 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 lots of content, movie commentaries, us piloting shows, us just chatting and having a fun time. I highly recommend being a patron and uh, checking out all the stuff we got back there. It's, it, it's, uh, we've put a lot of work into it and we really are proud of our bonus content and then five dollars a month and up gets you thanked at the end of every episode special thanks go to stefan six pat and nick of the brothers of infinite war michael marcus my mom lee cat justin jen and arthur thank you folks 
Um, you can also rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, if that has ratings. I'm not quite sure. You can check out our website at chatspod.com. You can also support at Camillustrator, the creator of our podcast, Art. Now comes the time of the show where we talk about our chatsums, our recommendations of things that you can snack on and sample between now and next time. Alan, what's yes, your chatsum for this week? Whoa! Whoa! Um, let me see. Podcast-wise, I pretty much have recommended over the wee, the wees, over the wee years, all of the stuff that I listen to primarily. Um, I have a just a small experience chatsum. How about this? It's a life hack, if you will. Uh, two things. Number one, these are both literally life hacks. I'm not even. I'm being earnest because it's chats eight. Uh, if you feel like your phone is old and you want to get rid of it or you want to, you don't want to like buy a new one. Change your wallpaper and you'll feel like you got a new phone. It's an honest to goodness life hack that I did recently, and I was like, oh, I feel like I got a new phone. Super smart there. Number two, if you have a lot of cords in your bedroom and you want to consolidate them so that they don't fall off your table over and over again, just attach a chip clip to the side of your desk and roll them through the chip clip and uh, they'll all stay in place and never, ever move. And it's perfect. And I recommend it if you are living in cord hell like I am. I just feel like I haven't done live chat in a while, so I wanted to give you guys that. Also, my chat is four non-blondes. What's up? How about that? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what about you Michelle? um i f- don't think i've recommended this youtube channel before uh have i talked about alpha media at all Does that ring a bell alpha me a-l-p-h-o a-l-f-o nope you have not okay um this is a music video essay channel that I'll watch um, every so often. And for the most part, it's kind of just like what the guy felt like talking about at that time. Um, they're not the most like uh, thorough music uh, video essays. It's kind of just like, here's what I think about this or this was on my mind or whatever. But uh, I think the guy has interesting ideas about what to look into or focus on. Um, And it's kind of like talking to a friend who loves making best of all time lists and is pretty knowledgeable about music. Um, And there's one particular one that I watched recently that was fun, which is he's trying to think about which word has the best songs. So which like single word is in the most good song titles oh what um and uh that's like an interesting thought experiment little video it's like eight nine minutes long uh my suggestion is i think it's probably the word don't that's what i think probably has the most good ones but it's a it's a fun video and alpha media has a variety of uh you know like best posse cut song Mm -hmm. from uh, about a month ago that that's a good one Anyway, Alpha Media. I love it. Alpha Media. Uh, Magellan. So uh, I cry sometimes when I'm lying in bed just to get it all out, what's in my head. And I am feeling a little peculiar. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. And and so, you know, I wake up in the morning and I I step outside as one does. And I, I, you know, I take a a deep breath. I get really high and Uh uh, I scream from the top of my lungs. Thank you, Magellan. Oh. And and I say, hey, yay, 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 yay. 
Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. I say hey. Thank Let's you, go. Alan. Oh, sweetums. Thank you <laughs> all so Thank you all so very much for listening to Chats 8. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to discuss Sense 8. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you very much and peace out. Go to karaoke. Bye-bye.